be very brief this morning because <clears throat> at the end of my my speaking, I want to open it up for those of you <clears throat> who may have a comment or a question. This is not a time for testimonies or anything like that, but to enhance and expand on the things I'm going to say to you this morning. Interesting, the Lord gave me this as I was stepping off the platform last week. And uh, <clears throat> so I want to speak to your identity <clears throat> and your function this morning. This is not something to be attained. This is who you are. So the acknowledging of who we are, it, for me to acknowledge who I am, allows me a path and faith and opportunity to live in who I am on a daily basis as a son of God. But I first have to acknowledge and believe that I am who God says I am. And there's no questions, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, or going back, or anything like that. I know exactly who I am. I know what I do, and I know why. I'm not pressured to do anything else, because I'm a free man. And you're free too. And so I want to share with you today, we're going to start with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. <clears throat> now, I know they're going to have probably scriptures up here. The problem is I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit. That's what I do. Did you bring your Bible? Bring your Bible when I speak. It's easier for you. Actually, I'm going to start with verse 5 of First Peter 2. You also as living stones are built up as a spiritual house. Don't be tied to your flesh, your body, Okay. Your body is like your car. You get in your car and you drive down the road, but you're not part of the car. The car is just a vehicle to get you where you're going. This flesh, this body of clay, is a vehicle to get you going where you're supposed to go. And I can identify Brian because I see Brian. I know what he looks like. Or Nancy or anybody else. But that's not who Nancy is and that's not who Brian is. Because in that flesh, that body of flesh, is a spiritual life, a spiritual body. So I'm talking to you today and I'm using the voice of this flesh so you can hear with the ears of your flesh. But uh, my spirit is speaking to your spirit, not your flesh. If you don't understand that, then I, I encourage you to go before God and get understanding. Get understanding. It's important to have understanding to be able to walk with God. I've told you before that I don't feel the presence of God anymore. Why? Because he and I are the same. That's why. And I know that. And so are you and he. You're born of the Spirit. You and he are the same. You're one. And don't be afraid to believe that. Because Paul tells us to believe that all through his writings. Okay, but you... Its living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. No strange fire coming from you, something coming out of who you are. Now, verse 9, but you are, 
a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's break that down a little bit. Generation. What does that mean, a generation? I live in 2019, same as you do. So is he talking about this 40-year span? Is that what we're talking about? No, absolutely not. If we go back to Psalm chapter something, 22, verse 30. Do you have it up there? I don't know. A seed shall serve him, and it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. So the Lord wants us to understand that the seed was Christ who came 2,000 years ago through the nation of Israel, born of a virgin, grew, destroyed the power of the darkness and the devil, and went back to heaven and then sent back his life to us so that when we're born again, we are the seed. We're not one of the seeds. We're not a part of the seed. We are the seed. And that is counted as a whole generation. So basically what we've got is 2,000 years of a generation that we're part of, but you are a chosen generation, chosen. That means it's specifically chosen you to be a part of that generation. So our identity is bound up in Christ all the way back. Your mother and father respect them and love them, but they are of the earth. Your real lineage is in Christ. Now, a royal priesthood. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6, as he said in another place, you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. This is what he said to his son, you're a pri- Jesus, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, let's go to, uh, no, where was I at? Oh, yeah. And then chapter 7 of that same book, Hebrews 24, but this man, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. I want to show you your priesthood. That's all I'm trying to do this morning is show you who you really are. And then get to the function of what that looks like. You're a priest. Then he says, let's do this, Psalm 110. Let me get through this, then I'm going to expound, okay? I just want to share the scriptures with you. I'm only proving to you what I'm telling you. I could go on without scriptures today, believe me. But I'm going to prove to you what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to do out of this. Verse, uh, chapter uh, 110 of the Psalms, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, in the book of Hebrews, the writer is trying to talk to the, the hearers about Melchizedek. He says, but you're just not there yet. I can't talk to you about him there yet. You can't comprehend yet. But I'm going to speak to you this morning about Melchizedek because I think you can comprehend. Because I want you to know who you really are so that you don't live in any kind of weakness 
any kind of failure, that you don't live in any kind of doubt, that you really have been raised up high above all the earth. You worship the one who I look to to my left hand. I'm not looking up because I am up already with him. So when I talk to God, I look to my left. Now, I want to show you something about Melchizedek. I wasn't planning to talk about Melchizedek this morning, but let's just talk about him. We're going to uh, the 14th chapter of Genesis, verse 18. Abraham had taken 318 servants out of his own house to go and rescue his nephew Lot from kings. These kings were battling each other. They were five different nations. Abraham takes 318 people. 318. Not very many. And he gives them a good whipping. Then he takes everything that they stole and teaches him men to go back. But somebody appears suddenly. Somebody just appears to him. A person whose name is Melchizedek. Who's Melchizedek? Verse 18, uh, Genesis 14. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into his hand. So then, Abraham blesses him and gives him tithes of everything that he had. But I want to talk about Melchizedek. Because Melchizedek has no father. He has no mother. He's without descent. He's made like unto the Son of God, the Bible says. So Melchizedek is made like the Son of God, and yet God tells his son... You are a priest forever after the order of. You know, if you were joined the Moose Lodge tomorrow, then you're part of an order. There's an order. There was a beginning and moves on down, and you're part of it. You don't have to join the Moose. Anyway, so there's an order of Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God, comes and blesses the possessor of the promise, Abraham. So many years later, you're born from your mother's womb, and you grow up, and you're a little sinner. Then the day comes that the Lord appears to you, and you respond. His Spirit comes into you. You're born again. At that very moment, children, you are part of the priesthood of Melchizedek because he abides forever. Now, the Son of God is a part of the Godhead. Melchizedek is not. So the man that God was speaking to and saying, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, was not the God-man, Jesus, or Christ, rather. He was speaking to Jesus, the man. Today, my dear, there is a man standing in the glory who is exalted and sinners like us 
We were sinners. We're no longer sinners. We're saints. We were brought into that same Christ, standing in that same man in the glory today for whom he justified, he glorified. Think who you really are. A joint heir with the Son. You're righteous. You're holy. You're a chosen one. Think who you really are. Your love that all can see that Jesus is risen and lives in you and me. I'm going to get to the function in a minute, but I want to settle it. Don't doubt this. Oh, I'm a carpenter. Oh, I'm an electrician. Oh, I'm a mother. Oh, I'm a... No, stop. You're a priest of God. This thing that you're doing here for these few years, they're important. God's concerned about it. You do it. But they're subservient to something else that you're a priest of God. First and foremost, we'll see what a priest is in a minute. We already got a little taste. Here comes this person named Melchizedek to Abraham who has a promise. God hadn't spoken to anybody else. He spoke to Abraham. Told him about his son. Told him about you. So Melchizedek comes from nowhere, it seems, and says, blessed be Abraham. <laughs> and brings him bread and wine. That's what a priest does, by the way. Part of what he does. That's not all of it. When I use the term he, I'm, there's no gender here. You see, you're a female in the flesh. You're a male in the flesh. But spiritually, you're a son of God. That's a whole different creation. That's a new species. It has nothing to do with male or female. There are no male and female in the kingdom of God. There's only sons. Now, <clears throat> so you're a holy nation. Let me show you something else about you. Let's go back to numbers. When I saw this a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, it just, I, it just leaped off the page at me. By the way, the person who, wrote, who said this is Balaam. Has anybody here ever heard of Balaam? Huh? He's the one that they speak evil of <laughs> in, in, in the New Testament. Because here he is tempting the children of Israel to sin. And Balak, the king, wants Balaam, the prophet, to speak evil against his enemy, Israel. Israel's everybody's enemy. So are you. The world's your enemy. Hates you. It knows who you are. It hates you. The spirit of the world hates you. Lures you. Lies to you. Hurts you. So that's why you don't love the world. Anyway, so. Balaam is prophesying over the people. But he can't curse them. He's only speaking what God gave him. For from the top of the rocks I see him, he says, Israel. And lo, and from the hills I behold him, and lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. That means that when God numbers the United States, you're not included. I really want you to get this. I want you to understand who you really are. God, bring revelation. God, bring revelation to us today. We can see the truth. 
love the truth. I know the church has been able to go along and big chicken in the basement and do this and do that, what have you. But I got to tell you something. The church is so much more precious, so much more powerful, so much more holy than what you see with your eyes out there. You see with your eyes, you miss. You've got to see with the eye of your heart because it's written in Proverbs that the seeing ear, no, the seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord God made them both. So he's giving you an ear to hear and an eye to see. And I want you to be so separated to God and so identified with God that nothing else is relevant, only his interest. And I'm going to show you a person like that out of the scriptures in a minute. So, you are a holy nation. We're one people. We're not part of this world. When God numbers the inhabitants of the world, and he does. He knows how many people are in the world. How could he not if he knows the very hairs on your head? He knows how many people there are. You're not included. You're not part of that census. You're separate. You're a different nation than that. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. And you're also a peculiar people. Interesting about the word peculiar. I always thought that the word peculiar was different and precious. but It's true. However, there's another meaning for the word peculiar there from the, uh, the Greek, and that is acquired. You were acquired out of the world specifically by God. I've got to tell you something. Do I? I want to word this carefully here. I know a guy, good brother. Years ago, a, a wonderful pastor and a brother that I know and love led him to the Lord. Kind of let him say the sinner's prayer. And years later, this brother confessed to me. He said, you know, he said, for the last 20 years, I've had nothing but a struggle trying to walk with God. He said, you see, I was born premature. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't ready to receive Christ. I, I was kind of pressured into saying a prayer. And it's taken 20 years to take root Think about that, would you, for a second? Think about that. What's the matter? Jonathan's laughing. Oh, I've been laughed at a lot. Anyway. anyway. You see, God comes by your house, and he touches your heart, and you can't do anything but Turn to him. So when you see somebody who's living in sin and calling themselves a Christian, they're not yet. I'm sorry. Plucked from the womb prematurely. A nine-month nine baby is usually mature, wouldn't you say? A, a six or a month baby is usually not. Problems in an incubator, in a hospital someplace. 
By the way, you're not going to cast forth your young. That's another thing. Here's your promise. You had a baby in the heaven, and you don't cast forth your young. You turn to God, take his word, and live by it. Live by what he says. Live by his truth. Oh, boy. Did I say I was going to be short? I'm trying to, honestly. But I have so much going on. Let's do this. I got all these other scriptures here. I don't know why. Okay, I'm going to show you somebody. First of all, let's go to Exodus 3, 18. I want to go to function. I think I beat the band pretty good about your identity. And I'd like to just continue to do that. I use Facebook to preach and teach. Any, any of you who are my friend on Facebook, you know that's what I do. You hear what I come forth. Sometimes I have some folly, but usually I brought something from God to you. And if you want to be my friend on Facebook and get my posts and then say so, and I'll befriend you or so you befriend me. Anyway, um, let's start with chapter 3 of Exodus. God is talking to Moses and telling Moses what he wants to do with the children of Israel what he's going to tell Pharaoh. And they shall hearken to your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and you shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us go, we beseech you, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. The very first thing that a priest does is sacrifice to the God. What is that sacrifice? Now, Jesus was sacrificed for us. He is God sacrificed for us. So he really is the lamb that I take to the Father. I go there in, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I go there as my identity is in Christ. He is the lamb. I present that as my reason for being there, my authority. But there's something else. If we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There is your next line of sacrifice. If you haven't presented your body, yourself, your person to God as a sacrifice, then you will not be able to function as a priest. We must first present our bodies to God. Not as a dead sacrifice. I'll serve you when I'm old enough, or when I have money. Or, no, today I, I serve myself to God. Sacrifice myself to God. That's a priest. Now, I want to show you, because the first thing we sacrifice is to God. But what do we sacrifice? He said we're here to sacrifice spiritual sacrifices. We offer up spiritual sacrifices. It's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul, just a little line he said in one of his letters, he says that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable to God. What? What? He says that he, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is offering up the Gentiles as a sacrifice to God. Now, you know, Paul and I are one as well. Just like I'm one with Margie. We're one. Isn't this glorious? 
My word. So we live a life of worship. We live a life of prayer. And it's wonderful to have a closet to pray in and to worship in, but it's so much more wonderful that your whole life, that your heart is a song to the Lord, that you're offering up all the time to the Lord that song of life, that worship, that praise. I just want to be careful where I go. I have so much I could say, but let's go to... Now I want to show you a lady. You're going to have to listen with your heart now. Chapter 2 of Luke, in verse 36. I don't think I have that on the board, do I? One of those I added yesterday or this morning. And there was one Anna. I mentioned the Anna to somebody the other day, and he said, who? Anna. I don't know that I know Anna. Like Simeon? Well, I've heard of Simeon, but Anna. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. Now she was a widow of about four score in four years. How many of that is? 84. Older than me. Older than anybody in the house. 84. Much older than you. And she did not depart from the temple. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Excuse me. Now, she was not the temple of God. You are. Christ did not live in her. The Holy Spirit was upon her. John the Baptist was born filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that the influence of the Holy Spirit was upon John the Baptist. However, when Jesus was born, he was born of the Spirit. There's a difference between having the anointing come on you and having the anointing living in you. Oh, have your confidence in this God. Anyway, she served him day and night, well over 60 years. I think they said she was, I think they're saying that she's 84 years old now. Well over 60 years in the temple, day and night, serving God with fasting and prayer. Now there is the foundation of the priesthood. But let's take a look at what is she praying? Come on. 60 years. What is she praying? Well, it's interesting to me that she recognized the baby Jesus right away. Why? Why? Well, don't you know it was she? It was she who brought forth that son? It was she who prayed and who fought all the issues of bringing Jesus forth. And having Mary not shamed because Joseph thought that she was a bit unfaithful or she's a 
single woman having a child. What does that mean for the child? What does it mean for the woman in those days? In Israel. In Herod wanting to kill the boy. Sixty years before the Lord Jesus was born, she was on her face in the temple. Not out and about. In the temple. The people came in and out of the temple every day, but she lived there. Day and night. Day and night now. Not a couple of hours on Sunday. A day and night deal. So being the temple, you're free from time and place. You're always the temple. You're always the body of Christ. You're always a peculiar, specific member of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head in heaven. Sixty years serving God. Why wasn't she out preaching? Why wasn't she out giving away her money? All of those are functions. Why wasn't she doing that? Why wasn't she feeding the neighbors? And she had no shame or no condemnation to do that. Here's your next part of your function. You are who God's made you to be. Now, we need to find that out by presenting ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Father, here am I. I'm your child. I'm, I'm one of your sons. And I'm giving myself to you, spirit, soul, and body today. And I want you to work in me that peculiar life that serves you. Now, he may put you in the temple to serve him with fasting and prayer. That's not something I can do. I'm sorry. You could never get me to do it. Do I pray? Come on. Of course I pray. Do I fast? I do. But that's not who I am. I know who I am. And I function that every day. God wants us to have that kind of confidence that we know who we are. I'm not stepping on Margie's toes. I'm not doing what he's given you to do. And I can't be pressured into doing it because I'm at rest. I'm at peace in who God has made me to be. And his commandments are not burdensome. So there's no burden on me for doing what God has given me to do. And that may look strange to others. Hello? Now, however, how about if I am out among people? Is there a ministry there? Of course there is. I've already given you uh, yeah, Romans 12, chapter 12, presenting my body. But there's another one here. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I was going to start with verse 7, but I think I'm going to start with verse 1 and just read it to you. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant and without knowledge about spiritual gifts. I want you to understand 
spiritual gifts. What, how, why? You know that you were Gentiles. You were without God. You had no concept of God. You were not born again. And you were carried away with dumb idols, whether they were religious or otherwise. A lot of people are raised in religion. They have religion. Rules, regulations, ceremonies, stuff like it. It's just religion. However, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God can call Jesus cursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations of those gifts, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person in Christ. The Spirit is in you. The manifestation of the Spirit has been given. Now he's going to show us what that looks like. This is not a complete list because we have to go to Romans and Peter to see more. more. But we're just going to stay with Corinthians today because I promised I wouldn't be long. Now, so we see that the same gift in her and the same gift in him may be the same gift working by the same Lord, the same Spirit, but it looks different. Because there's such a diversity of people. But the gifts were given for the profit of everybody. Now, we could limit that to the body of Christ, but that's not true. The word of knowledge can reach out to the world. It can be used in the church with believers, sitting over a cup of coffee or whatever. Out of your conversation comes the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. He says, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now we can see this in Jesus. For example, we can see it in Jesus talking with the woman at the well. Did I ever talk to tell you about the woman at the well? Did we ever have that conversation? Did I? I preached on that. Anyway, you know, I'll tell you, we talked about Job's, Job a while back, Pat did. I love Job's wife. Did you ever really look hard at Job's wife? I love that woman. I wrote a little article on Job's wife. I love her. She reminds me of my wife. I went through a Job experience for a few years. Come on, Nikki, you know that. And she really knows it. She had to put up with me for about four years. She and her dear husband. Anyway, Linda's response to all of that and just how we came out of that, I just, she's Job's wife. Is she not? <laughs> they saw it. They know what I went through. Anyway, and what I went through is not relevant because I presented my body to, a li- my body to Christ as a living sacrifice, and that's where he had me for a while. So it's okay. Anyway, <laughs> Nancy fed me every day, bless her heart. Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this word of knowledge, the woman at the well, she received words of wisdom and words of knowledge. You've had a husband. You Go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you well spoken. You've had five. And the man you're with now isn't your husband. 
That was a word of knowledge that brought her to the cross, brought her to the kingdom, brought her to Jesus. So the word of knowledge often does that. Paul had one for a word of wisdom for Timothy. Don't drink water anymore. Drink wine for your stomach is always infirmed. If he started doing that, his stomach would be healed. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. So we have that, children. Present yourselves, your whole body, your spirit, soul to God as a living sacrifice. And he'll flood you with who you are. You can only know yourself as you know him. You and he are one, do you get it? <laughs> you can't know you until you know him. Isn't that wonderful? Is that good news to everybody? It's good news to me. Anyway, to another faith by the same spirit. I saw I saw one time, I don't know if I saw it on TV or what, you know, saw so, so. But there was an accident. Somebody was, somebody was caught under the car or something. Somebody went and picked up the car. <laughs> oh, strong man. No. No, the gift of faith. Faith. You can't pick up a car. I don't care which one it is. But God can. And that's who did. The manifestation of God. Okay. To another Gifts of healing. Gifts, not one. Gifts of healing. There are a lot of kinds of healing. I was preaching in a church some years ago over in some place, and I just got done preaching, and this is rejoicing. We had a prayer line, all that. Anyway, I'm walking down from the platform, and there's a lady, late 40s, early 50s, red hair. She's sitting there. She's got a lot of miles on her. I can see that. And she's weeping. And and it wasn't a weeping of joy. It was a weeping of sorrow. And I said, uh, hi, sister. Um, what's going on? She says, I just, I lived such a terrible life. I was like, such a, I went around with everybody. Da, da, da. So she's sitting there. The word had revealed to her who she'd been. So I took her hand and I said, honey, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses your conscience from every evil work. And before my eyes, she came alive, began to shout and sing and dance free. The healing of the heart, the healing of the soul. There are gifts of healing. Because everything that is a part of your flesh is nothing. It's zip, nada, nothing. Because you see, you're not of your flesh. Your flesh is just the house that gets you around. And your soul and your mind is being changed by the Word of God. And you're being transformed into His very image while you're in this earth. Your inner man now, this thing is perishing. Come on, you know I'm not 50 anymore, or 40, or 30. I had a birthday this week. I was 77. I'm still strong. You know, I pray over my food. God, thank you for this food in Jesus' name. This food is sanctified, Lord. It is sanctified to my body for health, for healing, and for nourishment. It's perfect to me. And this food and you are restoring my youth. 
happening. Trust him. Trust him. Believe him. Those little things he drops in your heart, believe him when he talks to him. I got something going on in me, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you guys know I'm, well, you get paid for it. I'm going into a little business. I'm going to start marketing sandwiches to fairs, festivals, and art shows next year. Well, I have some things. I need a motorhome. Do I need a motorhome? I've been talking to God about a motorhome for 40 years, but I never really had a need for one. But I know it's been there. Well, now I need an inexpensive Class C motorhome. When I say inexpensive, that's not relevant. Just a simple Class C motorhome. That'll be my truck to transport all my stuff and my sleeping room. So I don't have to spend a couple hundred bucks a week on, on motels. So I've been looking for motorhomes. Not that it matters. I have no money for motorhome. I don't. I have the money for everything that goes with the motorhome, but I don't have the money for the motorhome. And that came from you folks. So that's all I had. Still do. So here's what the Lord drops in my heart. I'm looking all over for motorhomes. You know what he says to me? It's going to be by the side of the road. You won't find it on Facebook. You won't find it on Interline. You won't, it's by the side of the road someplace. Okay, that's peace. I stopped looking at the paper. Forget that. Because, you know, I'm not smart enough to just go out and buy a motorhome. What if I get the wrong one? Does God have a motorhome for me? I woke up one morning, and there it is in my spirit. I saw it, a Class C motorhome. Okay. That's a couple of months ago. Okay. Let's do that. The little things in life God wants to talk to you about, he's give you little things. Will you believe? Will you accept it when it's against everything else? So now I know. Now my question is, okay, Lord, when I see this, how am I going to pay for it? Do I have to pay for it? Is there money involved? Maybe. I don't know. I did that with a van one time. He said, you've got a van coming. It's going to cost $3,000. You're going to get the van and the money at the same time. I did not understand that. But you know what? Somebody heard from God and bought me a van. It was a surprise to me. Listen, there's gifts of giving. Give with simplicity, he said. Okay, wait a minute. To another, the working of miracles. Yeah. If we can all go down the street and work a miracle, it would be great. I'd like to do it. Go to the hospital and just empty it out. But to another. So we're one loaf, we're one body, filled with gifts. And he wants us all to function in that body as a body. Because it's been given to you. Those gifts. Now, to another prophecy. You know, Paul tells us to, to hunger and covet the gifts and hunger to prophesy. Prophecy has a lot of different action to it as well. Prophecy sometimes comes and tells you what's going to happen in the future. Prophecy sometimes comes and it brings revelation for what God is saying right this minute to you or to us. The Holy Spirit prophesies. I can't tell you how many times I've woke up in the morning where the Holy Spirit is preaching to me with my voice and I've just got to listen. That's the truth. Be filled with the Spirit. 
Say yes. Now, I want us to put off every idea of weakness, every thought of failure, every thought. There is no failure in the kingdom. There's only experience. And you're much bigger, much greater, much grander, much more gifted, much more powerful than you'd believe today. Because of the life flow that's in you, the well of life that's in you. He says that there's discerning of spirits. Wow. Different kinds of... All this is in this, you can read it in the scriptures. The book of Acts is a great place to go. He says, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, but all these work that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will, deliberately as he will, portioning out as he will. Because your gift does not make you a son of God. Your gift does not make you pleasing to God. God has already pleased himself in you. He's brought you to himself. He's pleased. Therefore, join up with him and say, I know you're pleased with me because I'm your workmanship. That's why we can be pleasing to him. It's not your gift. It's not the great things you do or don't do. It's who you are that's pleased him. Okay. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body are one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. He's the head. Jesus is the head. Margie and Jim and the rest of us, we are simply members of that body. Like my fingers are members of my body. And they do what my head tells them. Open, close, open, close. I'm holding the head. It responds to the head. That's us. That's what we do. Priesthood. So, we talk about our identity as priests, as children of God, and our function. We start with our ministry to the Lord. Praying to the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. Telling the Lord how we love him. Oh, and letting the Lord say, I'd like you to speak this over so-and-so. That's what he did with Anna. The Holy Spirit was saying, hey, see the Messiah's on his way? Go back to, she knew the scripture. She could go back to Isaiah. Isaiah spelled it out. The Psalms spelled it out. She saw that 60 years in the temple. Reading the scrolls and she saw what the Bible said, what God said about the Messiah, who he would be, how he would get here. She understood he was coming through Israel. She understood he was coming as a son from a virgin. This is not a simple matter for man. So she is speaking God's words into the atmosphere, and God's words are coming to pass. She's not begging God to do something. She's acknowledging what God wants to do, and she's speaking it out. 
And his word does not return void. It returns, it comes back and brings with it everything he said. So when she is praying, ministering to the Lord, functioning in who she is, she's bringing our Messiah to us. This is not a light thing. That's who you really are. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're the priest of royalty. You're part of the royal family. It has nothing to do with this body of clay. It has all to do with the inner man. The body of clay simply responds to our commands and our faith. That's all. As your mind changes, other things change in your life. You see, if I hadn't changed my mind about my left knee, I'd have had to go to the hospital and have a knee implant. And I almost did, and I'd been praying about it. So my wife said, just go and have it done. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll call him tomorrow. And right away, I felt like I grabbed somebody else's wife and ran off of the motel. That's how bad I felt about this. What? The Lord says, haven't you been talking to me about this? Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? I said, I'll put my hands on this knee. I'm going to make it better. You know what? <laughs> what you think matters. What you believe matters. It matters. You know? By the way, what I just gave you there was common living. It's common living. My youth is being restored because I have a, I have a course to run yet. I can't sit on a sofa someplace. So, so I'm speaking to the Lord and to my body. Come on. We don't allow circumstances to dictate who we are, what we do. I refuse to let circumstances change my life or my course. Forget that. I am not of the earth, and you aren't either. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. And by the way, you were acquired by God. You're peculiar, precious. One of the gems in his crown, he loves you deeply. Don't be flesh-minded. Now, by the way, your body, your, your body, and even your mind. Your mind has to be changed by this mind. You have two minds, this one and this one. Your body will only serve God as you make it serve God. Now he says in Romans chapter 8, that if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, and he does, true? He shall also make your mortal body alive. Alive to God first. You can serve God. Present your body as a living sacrifice. And alive to you. So that you can be mobile and move about and do what God's given you to do. But it's got to come through here first. This guy's got to believe first. I was talking to a sister this week who's battling with some stuff. 
And I know what she wanted me to do. She wanted me to tell her how bad I felt. Wanted me to join you. I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. i got to be faithful to my dad. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not going to not be faithful to my father. If he says something is true, I'm going to speak to the truth. So I begin to tell her the truth. And of course, she's rejoicing now because the truth washes her. You know, the truth will wash the barnacles away. There's a foot washing that takes place in the body of Christ. If I will keep myself filled with the spirit of the word and with God himself, I'm thinking about Jeff back there. It's been, I don't know how many, 2009 maybe. Jeff is Nancy's son-in-law, and Nancy is Nikki's mom. I don't know if you do that or not. I lived with Nancy and her husband, Ralph, for what, how many, three years, four? Four. It was a long time for Nancy. Long time for Nancy. She put up, she was great. I, you know, anyway, I was in the darkest place mentally, physically, spiritually I'd ever been in my life, even before Christ. I'd never been that low, ever. I just wanted to die. And I remember saying to Jeff, please forgive me, Jeff, I was wrong. I said to Jeff, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was not edifying. And I was proclaiming it as truth. It was a lie because I was so dark. I I was so needy, unbelievably needy. And so we always want to tell each other what the truth is. And the truth is not based in our circumstance. The truth is based in God's Word. He raises the dead to life. So if you're dead, He can raise you to life. I remember being in Janet's home, having dinner, and she has a little thing on the back of her, uh, in the bathroom, and it says, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. I said, I don't believe that, Jan. I told her that. I don't believe that. That's how dark it was for me. Yes. Because I'd been calling on God and he hadn't been drawing near. Well, I didn't think. It's not true. He was. <laughs> I could have been in prison right now. So anyway, the, um, we, we need to tell each other the truth. And it'll change us, our circumstances. It'll change everything. The truth makes us free. And the truth flies in the face of evil circumstances. Because I was dead wrong. But what's interesting to me is that as wrong as I was, and spewing out what was wrong to his precious people, I'm standing here before you today, fully in Christ, fully believing every word. So he was not upset with me. And if he wasn't upset with me, he'll never be upset with you. He loves you. Unconditionally. No ifs, ands, or buts. And he's got so much for us to walk in and live in and be overcomers with. (laughs) We are the glory of God right here in the earth. Now listen. Men can't always see that. It doesn't matter. You're a glory to the Father. He savors up the aroma of your life. That Christ is in you. I can't just see it, but I trust it's there. You know it's there. 
the, the, the principalities and powers in heavenly places who are the enemies of God, who have been your, they see it. They marvel at God's wisdom and God's love. Oh, they come and lie to you about it. But that's what they do. They lie. They see it. And of a man, let me tell you something about Anna. No man knew who she was or what she was doing. We have this foolish old widow. She seemed to live in this temple. That's what the Pharisees were saying. Had no idea. So the world doesn't have to know what you're doing. Nobody else does either. You're to God. And the principalities and powers in heavenly places see it. And through your life, others are blessed. Whenever and however, others are blessed by you. I can talk all day. Some of you can't do that. That's because it's a gift. But I'm going to shut up. And I'm, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Now, if you have a question, not that I'm the answer man. I don't have any hats on. But somebody could answer it. Or if you have a comment that enhances what we're talking about, then I invite you to, I know I went a long way and covered a lot, but if you have something, I invite, and Margie will come to you with the telephone, or with the microphone. This is not a time for testimony. This is a time for, uh, to edify the rest of us with something you may know or understand or got a hold of or living it, whatever, if, you, if you'd like that. It's up to you. You don't have to. Back to our sister right there, Margie. Go get her. I just want to say it was very edifying. And um, what you spoke about just being seated in heavenly places with Christ, regardless of the circumstances and what your body's experiencing and all that, I feel that was like the exact word on my heart right before, like during worship. And just how um, you can be looking forward to something, whether it's like vacation or time with your family or looking forward to being finally healed or going to the doctor and hearing the good report. But God was just speaking to me about how right now you can experience heaven on earth through taking, like cultivating those breaths of just realizing you are seated in heavenly place with him. It, regardless of what it looks like or sounds like or whether even you fully believe it, it's so much more true than even what you believe. But you can believe it, and then it becomes, it starts to integrate into reality <laughs> where, you know, it's real. And so it was just really cool because I was, that was what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me before you shared. So Praise the Lord. I'm going to talk to you just for a second about the devil. If you ever want to come and visit him, I'm going to show you where he's at. (laughs) 
I wrote something down while you were talking. Yeah, yeah. We're, we are God's righteousness. We're the wisdom of God in putting his son on a cross. We're the end of that wisdom. The wisdom of his great work is bound in us. We are Christ in the earth. We're part of that nation. Lay hold. Lay hold. I'll have 43 years of walking with God in November. And I rejoice in that, but I lament a little bit because I could have had 63. Had I responded to that call when I was 14, I could have missed probably a lot. <laughs> this is worth talking about. Say it again. You weren't ready. That's right. You got to cook in the womb for a while. You're right. You're right. Obviously, I wasn't ready to come forth. So out of his mercy, you're right. He didn't pull me out. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Lord, go. Come on, Larry. Larry's got something back there. Well, easier for you. Hey, stay right there, Larry. It's okay. This young lady will. I was studying through the Old Testament and knew about who Jesus really is. And Melchizedek, I have to agree with you. In uh, Isaiah chapter 11, it says, There shall come, verse 1, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Yeah. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, of might, and the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. To have that love, we have to have the fear of the Lord to get it right. Uh, in Isaiah 11, he's the branch. And I was... I've studied in Isaiah, and I got rid of this. It says, I am divine. He's supposed to be the branch. He says, I am divine. You are the branches. And he that lives in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If we're the branch, that means we are part of Jesus Christ walking on the earth. And people say, well, it can't be. I said, now, wait a minute. And as, uh, in John 17, which is the Lord's Prayer, uh, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as, as I have given him. And this is the eternal life that they might know the, the only true God in Jesus whom I have sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I shall finish work which thou hast given to me. Now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
The glory he had then was a full glory. He could, he created all the universe. And well, he he's got that glory. But in verse twenty-two, it says, "He's praying to the Father, and the glory which Thou hast given me, I have given them. They may be one, even as we are one." We are the branches of Jesus Christ. We are members of his body, actual members. When I look at a Christian, I'm saying, there's part of Jesus walking there. We have to understand that. John 14 says, and verily, verily, I send you, if you believe in me, the works I do, shall you do also even greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because Jesus has spread out into the whole world right now. And he's doing a miracle that's being done. Not us. And you're right. I'm not. You can't see me. You can see my body. But I'm the spirit living in this body. And I have a soul. If my soul is prospering, I can't get sick. When we allow things from the the world to come into us, what we see, what we hear, we're going to get sick. Because we get, yeah, it says, how can you expect to not be depressed when you watch all the depression on, in the movies, TV, all this stuff? We are Jesus, a little particle of him walking around on this earth. Uh, if we can get that in here and then get it to drop it down to here, we will do what Jesus said to us. John 12, 1. That's it right there. But we sacrifice, say, God, I'm yours. The day I got saved, I said, God, anything. If you forgive me anything, anytime, there's no limit. You help me, I'll do it. And you know what? Like I was telling up front one day, I said, yeah, I'm 75, I'm getting old. You're 77, you're still going. So, I'm headed back to Canada. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You know, about, about sickness. Sickness is an enemy that comes as a part of the world. Your body is a part of the world. It's, it's, it's uh, what came out of the world. It's going back into the world, down, in, you know, the earth, I should say, not the world. The world and the earth are two different things, by the way. The world is that spirit that rules the earth. And so the earth is simply made subject to that vanity, along with all of us creation. However, there's another nation that's been called out and chosen by God, and you're part of that. So that enemy of sickness, whatever it is, comes and attacks. And we, you know, we do all we can to avoid it. And when it comes, however, if it comes, then... We don't bow our knee to it. We accept it as an enemy against the house that you live in. Now, you speak against that enemy, and you speak against that sickness. You do it from your heart. You do it not from your mind, and you don't do it from... You do it from your faith. You speak to it. And now, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, and by the Word of God itself. That's why... The beginning of our priesthood is that we have a closet someplace in our lives. Whether it's in our house, whether it's in the car driving down the road, it's someplace quiet that you can relate to. 
And that's where you talk to God, worship God. You worship Him the same way we did this morning. Same way. Nothing strange. We worship God in our closet. If you need a tape deck or a MP3, tape deck, you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm 62 and I'm, you know, just, anyway, <laughs> it all passed me by. Anyway, um, then use that with recorded music or something. Like this young girl here, she's got that mahar gift. It's incredible that that singing, that voice. So, but your voice, Song of Solomon, God says to his daughter, let me see your countenance. Let me hear your voice. That's him calling you to say, come into your closet with me. I don't care where it's at, as long as it's just you and me. And let us, let us talk together. Tell me, tell me what you really think about me. Minister to me. And he'll minister to you. And develop a lifestyle like that. Where you worship God. Sing to him. Talk to him. You're not just asking for things. You tell him, you take his word to him. I like to tell him what a wonderful daddy is. So, your first place as a priest is to spend that time alone with Dad, whether it's 20 minutes or 5 minutes or an hour. And the more you do it, the longer you'll be there. Because he speaks back. Okay? Bless you. Let's worship the Lord. just felt like God was saying, going along with what Kenner was saying, that we are made in the image of Christ, that we have everything available to us that Jesus had available to him and more. Uh, Christ lives in us, and I'm not saying this just to all, like to myself more than probably anybody else, but I have all the power to be able to bring God glory. Like, um, that there is nothing that I can't overcome, and that the one thing, like what, like what we were singing just a little bit ago, one thing, God can move and to bring him glory, to see his glory, and to give him glory. So, there's... No, it's good. I have what it takes to overcome just anything, just about anything, anything at all. So, Lord, you are in us, you are in me, Christ is in me, and there's nothing that I can't overcome to bring you glory.
I was waiting for a confirmed word because I, I didn't have it, but you said safe place because Christ is in me. I'm a safe place. He is a safe place in me. I am safe. There is nothing that can come against me and make me unsafe. There is nothing that can come and bring fear into me. He, Christ, is in me. This is a safe place. Hello. So I told the worship team all this before because I, I could feel like, I mean, look, it's 1.30 and we're almost all still here. <laughs> like we were waiting for something. And um, right well, in the middle of the night, I woke up with a vision. And okay, first of all, I'm not condoning alcohol or drinking or anything. But in the vision, I saw um, a young woman with, uh, that I know, with uh, this big, huge case of Coors, specifically Coors beer. And I don't drink beer. So I knew it was from the Lord. And when I looked it up, and Coors actually is a banquet, is considered a banqueting beer. <laughs> that, that's what it's known as, a banqueting beer. And the, it was in the um, uh, out east, and the miners would spend 12 hours in the dark, and they would come up to the safe place and... And then they would all drink Coors, and that's what it was. That's what it was. That's the history. And when you were talking about safe place, and um, just and I had just told him that we need to sing the spirit or the fear song, the love song, yeah, that song, <laughs> out of the fear, the the darkness, and to come into the light. There's something on that. So.